Right, so we've got the first episode of our podcast to do. I think the name's what? Rolling Minds? Yeah. Rolling Minds. Rolling Minds. Rolling Minds. And the reason is, we want to extract information from guys like you and girls, obviously. Um, just basically on how to learn jiu-jitsu effectively. You picked Rolling with me, haven't you? Like number one. <laughs> <laughs> so for everybody listening, we've got Ben Poppleton here with us now. Um, he is... Where did you teach at? Tenerife now. Round corner from my flat. Uh, Las Americas. Las Americas. Yeah, near water parks. Yeah. Um, I should have should have looked this up first, shouldn't I? Really? Uh, now I just sound like a fucking moron. You are a moron, Sam. That's all right. That's well, we've had Ben here today doing his one foul sweep seminar tour, so I'll let him tell you a little bit about that. They were crap. <laughs> 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 no, they were good. They're excellent. Yeah, it's uh, it's what I told you on the mat. I uh, I had an obsession <clears throat> with this turnover when I first really saw it, going back a long, long, long time ago. I mean, I would have been in me oh, in my early twenties, so it must be over twenty years, and I obsessed of it since then. <clears throat> and over time, I just kept doing it and doing it and picking up more and more bits from different men that I saw, from judoka to wrestlers to the Graces to other Brazilian jiu-jitsu experts. And feeling what they were doing to me and developing it more and more and more and more. And it became a massive obsession that whenever I was on my back, or just fighting generally in groundwork in general, I wanted to pull people into me and turn them over to my left from the belt. So it became like hook sweeping to my left. And it, it, most of my groundwork game was based upon that. If I could nail that sweep, they were in trouble. Uh, and it, <clears throat> there's that many details of it because I just looked at it over and over and over again that I realised... I did some seminars where I tried to show it all and it was just a waste of time because it was hours and hours and hours of thousands of parts that were just to show and tell where it went in one ear and out of the other to the end of it where it went, oh, that were great. Well, what did you learn? People were like, fuck no, I can't remember anything. Just too much information. So split it down now and tried to make it so it can be learnt in a, in a format and a protocol that's, that's, uh, that's worthwhile. And I think it's working. From what I can see in every gym I've shown so far, there's probably three or four different parts. But I want to make it so that if anybody only sees one part of it, they can apply it to what they're doing, which I think it is doing that. Still make it useful I, for Yeah, me. well, Carolyn was on that mat with, for two minutes. We had, we had Babby gut, and she was making it work. <laughs> and when I was sparring with some of you, you were doing it, mm. you attempted it, which is good, you know. It weren't easy at all for me, not at all, um, which is good. So what was it specifically about that technique that drew you to that one in particular? That's really, I think, what's interested, yeah. <clears throat> because I came from... Uh, if you think about Steve Gawthorpe, people know who that is. Uh, do they? Yeah, the Olympian. If they don't, they can Google it. Google it, right, yeah. So Find when it comes to Gawthorpe, I, I think I'm the only one of his students. I'll, I will get back to your question. I'd rather go around the houses so it makes sense because I feel like if I just answer it, it's got no basis, but no base from where it's coming from. Um, of all Gawthorpe's students, they, they're all Olympic judoka. I mean, Craig Fallon ended up winning the world title. And I think I'm the only one of his students that went to what I'd call the dark side. I'm the only one that went to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <coughs> So I saw the, the, the older style of application of jiu-jitsu. Bear in mind, the original form of modern jiu-jitsu, which is anything without weapons, is judo. Mm. And that Gracie jiu-jitsu is basically Brazilian judo. 
It's just their application of modern jiu-jitsu and putting Brazil. Yeah. And, and a lot of the, the older Gracie family members were very similar to what I'd seen with the Olympians who were terrific at Niwaza at Grandway. And it, it wasn't based upon the, the more modern point scoring idea, which was, you know, that, that sweep scores you this, that knee scores you this, that scores you that, blah, 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 blah. It was all based upon this, this um, the, the protocol of, and they are in reintroducing this, which I like in, in modern com uh, competitions. You win or you draw. That's it. So even if you were fucking murdering you, if you didn't tap you out and time's up, it's a draw. Mm. And because of that, this sweep becoming, became important. Because what I noticed early on, and I, I couldn't put it into words properly until I got older. I couldn't formulate it in my head. But there was something about differences in turns and sweeps that I noticed. And it weren't until I got older that the light bulb went off in my head. Which is was that it, often when you play with men between your legs or with guard positions, if you trip the opponent, it's not much different to actually performing foot sweeps in standing. You end up inside their guard, having to deal with their legs. Whereas if you, if you complete a throw or a, a tight sweep, it bypasses it. Or if, they, if you do end up in the guard, you find you've got holds on their body, which you would require with your hands to extract your legs already. You're already tight to the body. So it's like you've <coughs> bypassed a, a major part of their game. So I was actually discussing this with Rob just at the end, mm. the older judoka, saying that the beauty of the sumageishis and the elevator turns, the corner reversals, is that it allows you to, to bring a man into your guard and complete a turn where, if it's done correctly, bypasses his guard. And lots of sweeps don't. Mm. They just put you on top which isn't very wise if you're older and tireder than he is because you're effectively going from a frying pan into a fire. I don't think... I've, have I answered the question there, do you think? Yeah. Saying, Why did that you... Yeah, and this is the ultimate one. The finest, the finest throw that you can use in groundwork has to be a sacrifice throw from standing. It has to be because you sat down. That makes sense? Yeah. So because it's a sacrifice throw, the best ones from the original jiu-jitsu without weapons, which was judo, Kosen judo jiu-jitsu, were the likes of Sumagashis and Tomo and Agis, mm. foot in the hip. And it, it clears their guard, if that makes sense, as opposed yeah. to trips, which gets you on top. But if you're tired, you think, well, that's better where I was, to be honest. And that's what I think. Mm. That was my interpretation of it all. Yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense in terms of efficiency that would be the most efficient way to get a, a dominant position exactly and oftentimes they, they say that passing the guards usually one of the hardest hardest uh, bits about sometimes almost up. impossible <clears throat> and when you start blowing i i found that that there's there's no guard that can't be passed is there really it's just that you either don't know the strategy and haven't got the tools which is the same box you don't know the strategy and haven't got the tools and or you haven't got the wind to do it so often especially as you get older and lazy you get young lads like today with me with something lads you think this is hard where i'm going to tie it here on here you're better off thinking bollocks to their guard 
I'll sit back, turn them over with my turn, and just bypass it. Mm. So you've like got around the houses to kick the back door in because it were actually easier than going through the front door. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, and it, I think this concept, well, I'm a bit thick, so it took me a long time to understand why it was so powerful. But I felt it take place on me quite a lot with older men. They beat you with a, a, a strategic game. And it was extremely powerful to face because suddenly you thought, that was clever. They really manipulated me there. They couldn't pass me. I was young, bendy guard, feet over my head. I mean, I studied under Legato for quite a while. Legato Rodriguez, here you got him coming here. Mm. And Lucio Legato's guard was one of the best in the world. I mean, the guy's six foot six, nigh on two meters, whatever. An uh, incredible guard, um, a floppy eared guard, we used to call it. On his back, lanky, flopping legs, pulling you down, legs over his head. And I, did, I, I trained on a legato for a long time using these sort of ideas. So I, I was very bendy. Um, I'd move around and some of the older guys, they couldn't get through. And what they'd do is they'd get a grip on top. And you'd feel like you were sitting up, like you'd trip them up. But actually what they were doing was get a grip to sit back to play their guard on you. And then you'd get turned. But theirs weren't, wasn't a trip. It was a sweep. It was a throw. Mm. And then they'd land on me, and you'd think, shit, his chest's on me, he's under my arm, he's got an underhook, he's holding my head, and he's wiggling his leg out. And you thought, that was clever. He went backwards to go forwards. Mm. So he's past my guard now, but it's clever how he's done it, it's clever. Does that make sense? Mm. You know that, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah it doesn't use the quick, fast Toriando passing that's really popular now. It happened with me and you, Sam. Yeah. Well, they were a nightmare. You got your foot in, you were ramming me in back, you got your good hand on my neck, and I'm like, I can't get under that. Mm. I feel you tripping me up. Do you remember? I felt you tripping me up. Mm. So I sat back and shoved my feet in, and then flipped you straight over, and then yeah. I were on you. Yeah, couldn't move there was still a good No, no, there was still a good fight before I could get my leg out. They were a good fight. They were a good fight. But it were in my favour then, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I'm underneath. In my favour. Underneath and all the underneath, way. Underneath again, but I were in, wasn't it? I were mm. in. Yeah. You, you weren't pushing me out anymore. So I went backwards to mm. go forwards. And I think this sort of strategy is powerful, ways of thinking. If we, what I said to Rob and some of the old judo guys today, I said, I think if sometimes we accept what the Brazilians are showing us and apply our little flavor of English thinking to it, you can progress quicker. The Russians looked at judo and applied the Russian brain to it. And they made some incredible fighters because they put the Russian sauce and flavouring on judo. We should be doing that with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it's nothing to do with creed and colour. If you're from here in this culture, we think like Brits. So why not learn it like Brits as well? And our minds are different, you know? I, I studied a lot of uh, a lot of breathing and pranayama and yoga, but I, I studied a lot of it by learning with the blokes, but also applying the knowledge with a man, as I am, whose granddad was a coal miner. Not some shaman from fucking Calcutta. <laughs> so to tell me to, to to spiritually lift my kundalini and breathe into my into my inner soul, when what they're actually asking me to do is take a deep breath and concentrate on my fucking hamstrings, that created a better mechanic. <laughs> so once I did that, right, you want me to bend over and flex that and not that? Yeah. Why don't you fucking say so? Mm. And that and so I created the same mechanism they wanted me to create, but thinking about it as the grandson of a coal man. 
And I watch a lot of British lads doing jiu-jitsu and I think, do you know what? He's trying to learn that like a Brazilian. And he ain't. Mm. And if you put a bit of British sauce on it and talk to him like he's a Brit and say, no, think about it this way. We create the same end game looking at it a different way. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm going around doing the same teaching that you're doing today based on what you're saying. You're describing putting the shin up in the hip from that butterfly hook position. You're saying that, put your shin up to the hip. I don't necessarily say it the same way. I get the same end result, but I'll tell them to stick the toes up their ass. There you go. And if it creates the mechanic, that's it, yeah. Whatever it, whatever it takes for your brain to engage and feel that mechanic happen. Yeah. Because often I think it's nice in a lesson. I think teaching is extremely difficult, extremely mm. difficult. You've got to be 100% there with them and you have to talk a lot. And people say, oh, he waffles on. Yeah, but you have to in that regard. Mm. You ask him, I spend most of his time with him just shut up and asleep. I'm only speaking when I, when I need to, when I'm teaching or in a situation like this, because you have to get your point across. And all those people in that room are listening to different things. You just said it yourself there, Sam. Saying, oh, just put your shin against there might make perfect sense to 10 people and other people might only respond when you say, right, curl your toes up and try and put your big toe up the bum. Mm -hmm. That might make them think, ah, that's it. So you have to say it 50 ways to ensure that everybody gets it yeah. all the time. And look around their eyes to see if they get it. And a lot of people will be nodding, but their eyes are saying, I don't know what the fuck you're saying. I don't understand because they're embarrassed. Mm. Some people will start watching, swear. I do. It catches their attention. They're like, what? He just yeah. swear with. And it brings them back onto the map. Oh, listen, we adults, of course, not the fucking kids. Yeah. I say little shit to little wanker to a kid. That's not bad, but you know. Kind of... Just as long as the parents don't hear it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, I mean, me and Luke came and did the uh, armbar weekend, not weekend, week in Tenerife with you and Steve. And we all learned exactly the same thing. You'll never forget that, will you? No, my arm killed for months. You'll never forget what you learned, though. But no, I came, like, I I came back from that. Yeah? I came back from that and took took exactly the same thing that, that you were teaching from that tight arm position and think, was it EBI call it Spiderweb? Yeah. I Spider bet nobody had anybody gets out now, did they? You, you know it now. No, no. We learned it like it. Northern Lads. Yeah. Off one of the greatest Northern Lads ever. We're a nutter of a student, his student me, weirdo, weeb. And we don't ever forget that now. We're like, right, it's in that order. And I bet anybody now that gives you that arm, you're like, mate, give us that. That's coming yeah, on with me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you you really emphasised in that same same position was to get your hips really tight to the shoulder, lean back, lever, so like in, in your deadlift posture and hang off the round. I teach it very differently. But creating the same... Mechanic. Oh, yeah, I get exactly the same thing, but I, I'll be in with my grip on the round, grabbing my lapels, like, right, straighten your back, deadlift, and shag the shoulder. Shag the shoulder. Yeah. Shag if, the shoulder. If you're not creating Olympic lifts, you're not using good technique. No. And these are things you see a lot of that aren't discussed. Why aren't you doing things that an Olympic powerlift, Olympic weightlifter or a powerlifter would be doing? If you're doing movements that don't require any engagement of deadlift and, and squatting muscles, then you're a knob. Because they can lift half a ton with that now. Yeah. They, oh, it's just power. No, he's not just strong, he's extremely skilled to lift that sort of weight. He uses he's his whole physiology. extremely skilled to be able to lift, deadlift that sort of weight. Mm. It requires immense te technique. And it is a technique, and people that think it's not a dickhead. Mm. If you look at where these lads are built, these world champions now, the judoka and the grapplers and the and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champions, fucking all like Mr. Olympia, don't they? For oh a yeah, reason. yeah. For a reason. Yeah. So that was 
one thing we'll go into, we'll ask just to hear it from you more than anything is when where were you when you were first exposed to jiu-jitsu and what was it that actually made you go you know what this 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 is good this is what i want to learn this is what i want to study well i had i had like some mates and one mate in particular we were always interested in in um, combat and that we used to because my my dad did all sorts of stuff when he was younger he'd, he'd always trained I mean he's been involved in martial art well fighting for like, over 50 years or more so I was always exposed to it so <clears throat> I had like a, I'd trained in bits of boxing and, and I had big 16 ounce boxing gloves as a lad mm. and so me and mates of mine used, used to spar a lot gum shields in uh, in parks in back bedrooms all sorts uh, and we were always interested in combat in general and we'd be, we were very aware that when we used to train, especially in summer, we'd be in Middle of Park. I mean, mm. police would get called. <laughs> we oh, we're just blokes, just, what would you want? You know, we're just sparring. It's not illegal. It's, you know, it's upsetting them more than they need to fuck off them, don't they? It's just sparring with mate. It's no different to walking dog. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we, we were aware that we, you'd end up clinching and over you'd go. And we didn't want to stop, so we'd get, like, well, pull glove off and you just keep wrestling. And the only sort of... Um, ideas we had were based on what we'd seen there used to be Saturday morning sports on I don't think they have it anymore there used to be sports shows they used to show football and all this crap on a Saturday morning and they also used to have wrestling on and it was stage wrestling but it was sort of based upon catch and that mm. famous names were on and, oh uh, Big Daddy and all that yeah, yeah. before then yeah catchers catch kind of stuff with Mick McManus and all this like so you try and copy their moves and you'd be aware you had to bridge and you had to remember. so we just used to fuck about and so we were very aware that the the, the 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 wrestling was actually a bit more important than the boxing because we were how easy it was to get in and you were like well we're wrestling again well we don't seem to be spending that much time actually boxing and we used to say you know um, it, it was Dwayne who actually said to me you know we need to we need to go and get a bit of uh, pointers here because we're just polishing a turd we don't really know what we're doing we weren't very good boxers but we understood enough so that every time we sparred it were productive mm. and we were learning a bit in boxing or we could all pads with each other a bit and that, it were alright but we were like well we're not really going anywhere with this so we knew that there were a, 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 a judo club in town this is early 90s mm. early 90s and we, we decided to go down we are like we've got to have some homework to play with so we went down and we didn't realise at the time that we, it was such sort of a mecca for judo 20 years earlier in the north of England. I mean, you've got the Lancashire wrestlers, the judo men from this side, the judo men from my side. But it had actually died a death over that course of time because everybody thought they were going to be kung fu star. I think the, the karate stuff and the jumping, spinning kicks had sort of took over and Bruce Lee had been around. Mm. Everybody wanted to be fighting 10 men in a, in a circle. And judo had died, you know. Um, nobody, nobody cared anymore. I think the guy who taught me, Mick Pearson, I think he actually said, judo's died a death. So we went up one Saturday morning to Doncaster Judo. Still there, actually. It's a martial arts place now in Doncaster. And this were one, I think it was like the third judo centre that was opened in England mm. after the Buddha Choir and the other one down in London way. So a proper, proper place, properly built room where the upstairs was a sprung floor with a little gallery in there. And they were, the guy who taught it, Mick Pearson, the little guy who I'm still friends with, and me and two other people there. Now, Mick Pearson had been national standard. I think he won his weight category in Masters a few months back. And he just happened to have a right penchant for groundwork as well. So he saw us come in, 
little fella he was, not much bigger than my dad, this fella. And he'd have been about my age now, I think, then. And he, we wandered in and we, we basically said, it, blah, blah, yeah, we, we, we like to fight like, and we want to some structure on grappling. And especially on the floor, we said, because when we stood up, we're probably going to try and belt each other. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to be really looking for throws. We just seem to fall over. He will, I'll get you. He said, don't worry, I've got you. I know what you want. So he, he showed us, he said, we're going to do a bit of throwing, just so you get a feel for it. And we were awful. Then he showed us a bit of groundwork and we were awful. But he showed us like a couple of turnovers from underneath. One of them were a bit like a summigation, actually. And a strangle as well. He said, right, have a play with them. With suit on, you know, with gi. First time I'd ever put one on. And it were ace. I was like, this is right clever, right good. And we were like, right, got some. And then he sparred with us all. And he just murdered us. So we all paired up. So it were basically, whenever we sparred with each other, me, me and my mate or these other lads, it were just biggest, strongest one won. You know what I mean? And then we all sparred with him and got murdered. Yeah. Which were ace, because he weighed about 20 kilo less and were 25 year older and just murdered us, yeah. Right, this is right good so we took that on with us and we were like right so we'll practice them turns and them strangles as much as boxing and we did and we went back a few times and we were getting into it and we realised how important it was that this is good and then um, I bumped into other lads I knew Charlie Martin and that he was Thai boxing at the time and boxing and all that and we sort of introduced him to it as well look you've got to get do a bit of wrestling oh it's a right laugh come on we'll show you what we've been learning and all this all this be jazzle because you asked about the first introduction to jiu-jitsu yeah is that what you mm. want to know yeah yeah well it's just grappling in general isn't it well that was it it was that was it there so i it, it was it started to get a bit more of a hub and a hum about it so i don't know why but there were more people on mat when we we're going out on saturdays and during the week and because mick generally ran it there were always plenty of groundwork so it were done old way so even if you if you didn't like the standing you could go down a bit late and you didn't mind as long as you warmed up and were respectful and bowed and you could get on, on groundwork and vice versa, someone didn't like groundwork, so they went early, and then bowed off and left, yeah. But because you had a choice at the end, what you found was that the, the guys that stayed on the mat for groundwork liked it. Mm. So they were pretty good at it, mm. which were all right. They were only national standard, but they were, they, were, they were good. And we trained like that for a while. And it just so happened that... Uh, one one night, I was laying on settee in the house with, with, with the state that is lads. I was laying there, I think I was drunk or I had a can next to me and I was just basically staring at Tully. And he, my mate wandered in, that train with, and he threw a magazine at me. Or did he put a DVD on or a cassette? I think he put a cassette on. He put the cassette on. Would have been a DVD back then, but. Yeah, it would have been a DVD. We're an old VHS <laughs> a bit cassette. Bit old for that one. We're an old VHS cassette because it were an old video player that we had that we'd fix with an old condom. That's right, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it broke and we fixed it with your Johnny. Yeah? I'm, not, I'm not even surprised. Andy Summerall fixed it with your Johnny. Right, it, I think it's still running. Right. And he'd had, what had happened, Dwayne had gone down to see about a job as a security guard down at Canary Wharf and he borrowed a UFC tape of something. So about 1994, this one. He went, watch this. Well, what? He went, look. And it were like, no holes barred, see what happens. And we were like, I said, well, that looks good. He said, stick it on. And so then, oh, his grace got on. And we mm. were like, well, this is what we're doing. Mm. The, it were a good feeling because you were like, this, look, we knew, we knew it worked. We knew. We said, didn't we? We said, you know mm. what I mean? We were right pleased with yourself. Well, that's <laughs> it. You've got to know this, haven't you? When we were saying to each other, look, you've got to. So we watched that and we were like, well, we've got to do more of that. We've mm. got to do more of it. And it just so happened that when we'd been training, we'd been hearing as well, when we'd been on the mat at Judo Club, about this bloke that was floating around, that, oh, he's a different level to everybody, this other bloke. Yeah, I met him yet. 
oh yeah, he strangled somebody to death in European Championships. He's the Olympic standard. You, well, who is it? Oh, blah blah blah. And I'd sort of forgot about it, but one day in training, he'd, he'd come up and sat and watched with his wife. I think he even had his dog with him. So through A's of sweat and stench and that, you could hear somebody carry his car up his hill, blah, 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 but he didn't have his kit. And I remember sort of looking up thinking, I've got to make a point in finding that fucker. And then forgot about it for a bit. I thought, right, one day I thought, yeah, I'll try and... But in the late 90s, there were no mobile phones and there were... You had to, you know, tell... I mean, I think the, the, the telephone of my mum's was still that ring one round where you, you pull it one way and it goes... <laughs> you know, so if you did it wrong, you had to fucking start again. It took an hour. You died of starvation by the time you called for peace and you get to it fucking wrong. And, uh, and it... it I, I couldn't find him. He's moved house. You're like, where the fuck is he? Because I, I were from Doncaster. You were from Barnsley, which is, I don't know, maybe... 10, 15 mile away. It might as well have been other side of the world for the sake of view that I didn't know where he was. And uh, one day, I were in one of the gyms we used to train in as well, New Bodies, which were a powerlifting and bodybuilding gym. And they had a room at the end. No, it's not like this. Mm -hmm. Powerlifting and bodybuilding. They had a room at the end and when you went through the door, like you fell off and end up fucking world. I'm not kidding you. It was just like you walked into Beirut. It was just this shed. And they had some bags up and a fucking wasp nest just up in corner and you know a bit of mould hanging about and all that but you could do what you wanted in there and we me and charlie used to practice the stuff we were learning with uh, with judo and one day it just so happened we were practicing arm lock from mount so judo guitar from Tath and this it, about two o'clock in the afternoon and the sliding door which separated the powerlifters room from where we were basically in the fucking war zone slid open and there was no reason why it should open up anyway, because nobody ever came in there. And at two o'clock in afternoon, I mean, it could have been a fucking gremlin. You were like, what the fuck's happening for? And an head popped round the door. And he just stood on ledge and put his hand and just watched us. And I, and I, I were aware he were there and I stopped and I went, all right, like you would, because nobody ever... And he went, aye, I'm just watching they do arm lock. And I went, fucking hell. I said, is it Gawthorpe? And he went, aye. I thought, fucking hell, you couldn't make that up. I was doing the arm lock and I've been looking for him. I said to Charlie, don't move. I went, come and show us. And he went, aye. He <laughs> comes straight down. And the first words he said were, you're making a right meal of that. So he said, you're making a right meal out of that. And he fucked about a little bit. And, and I said, you know, can I go down and train with you a bit? And, that, and he went, yeah, yeah. And he, he was living around the corner from him, man. He bought an house in walking distance from my mother's house. I said, right, I'm going to annoy the fuck out of you. And I was there all the time, oh, can I come and... And he used to take me to all the spots and I met all these blokes and got mullered by everybody and blah, blah, blah. And it was basically Steve that said, you're standing shit. You've got no interest in it, really. You might, you, you, your groundwork's all right. Have a go or don't. Mm. So have a shit or get off the toilet. Just decide. So either go to Japan. He says, it's expensive there. He says, all these Brazilians look like they're getting a bit tasty. Go there, it looks cheaper. He says, you get better money for your money, like. So that was that. And that was my exposure to it, really. And, and you literally went over to Brazil then? Well, I found they were. I went down to uh, Birmingham first because I was back in the 90s again. I was training as hard as I could then. Gawthorpe and the men he'd introduced me to would mm. give me a right beating. It was terrific training. Up your end, you've got the. I'm thinking about the Kendallock. The, the hard one I can remember from around here. Obviously, Eckersley, but he was small. He's Steve Ravenscroft. Steve. He, he's North Manchester way. Mm. fucking man in hard man anyway um, tough men all tough men and of course you've got Jack Mountford from Bolton Way I mean, phenomenal wrestler in Judoka old man now 
But anyway, we had a similar sort of breed over our way. I used to get mowed by all them. And one day I was stood in, they were none of this phones and iPads. If you wanted to read all, you went to WH Smith in town and just stood reading all magazines for an hour. I used to have a chocolate bar and all sorts of in there, not paying for <laughs> kind of fucking pop and lot. Because only somebody's anti-work in there. Nobody give a fuck. You all right, love? Yes, love. Fine, thanks. You know what I mean? I'll tell you what, I was that cheeky when this happened. I'll tell you what happened, right? I went, I was reading through Martial Arts Illustrated. Mm. It was shit, really. It was just full of karate and bollocks, right? And right at back, they had classifieds. And in it there, what, Tasmanian Devil? Gracie Bar, and it said real Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has arrived in the UK, mm. Birmingham, and I thought, fucking hell. I even had audacity, right, to go and borrow a pen, like, <laughs> write it on my hand. <laughs> so I didn't even fuck it by the pen, yeah. <laughs> Read it, bought nothing. I think I had a Mars bar and a can of pop. <laughs> I had an afternoon in there, and I went home, and um, I think I forgot about it for a couple of days, and then got. And I think I was fucking around with a motorbike, so I went and asked my father to, I said, just ring them up, find out where it is, and we'll go down. So I'd gone down there and I'd got, and I met my son Walter Gomez, Roger's mm. dad, got filled in by him. And that completely uh, set the tone for me to go to Brazil. Because what I realised when I met him was how men had created their own directions mm. or there are directions in groundwork. And each expert has a direction. So when you, for example, I can shut my eyes and think about the men that beat me up and have beat me up. And I can tell you what they're going to do. Mm. And they do the same to you because they've got a direction. Mm. They do a particular thing. And I'd experienced phenomenal arm locking. That's what I'd experienced. Some good turns, but phenomenal arm locking because that's what the Brits did. They were straight arm lock experts. I mean, Neil Adams is still probably the greatest ever. Mm. And Gorthorpe's probably a close fucking second. And so when I went down there, I'd, I'd felt that and I didn't realise what else was there I weren't even aware that there was anything else to it it was like thinking football was just about free kicks so when I went down there he fucking hell I'll tell you what happened in the first couple of days um, it were it were odd to go there because it were totally different to the judo gyms to mm. the judo because the judo dojos they had particular etiquette and you and you held to, held to it because you'd get a fucking mullet if you didn't I mean, of course, you wore the suit, you bowed to enter, you bowed to leave, you didn't take drinks onto the mat, blah, blah. You faced the wall and you tied your belt, you got permission to come on. And you were very respectful as to the, to the um, what I could call, the, 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 the culture and the heritage of it. You could almost feel it. Even if it was in sports halls, you could feel the, the heritage that these other men had. But when I went down to Birmingham, there were some good men, but there were also some fucking knobheads that were there because they wanted to be known that they were training that which were just lost on me. Mm. And there were some richer kids that had done the same thing. And and I, I didn't understand the concept that in, that was going through the head. I didn't. I thought to myself, this is not some like kata-based martial art where you can hide behind bullshit. If you're behaving like a prick, you're going to have to spar in a minute. Mm. And I don't think your trust funds are going to help you. That was my idea. And that's what happened with one bloke. He were a fucking idiot. And by the, I'm not kidding you, by the time I'd got out of the changing room, it, I, I can't imagine him possibly being more condescending for the first five minutes of my life. I just watched him as he just went on and on. And and, and I got to, I, th that next night, I used to go down there and, and train. And because it were a good two-hour drive or more, I'd train in the day, 
go and get something to eat, have a minute, and then train again at night. Mm. Sometimes stay on mats and get as many sessions as I could get in until I was just broken and go up there. So the night session with Mauricio Gomez, that was the first time I ever met him. And he showed us some stuff and whatnot. And when we sparred, I got paired up with this kid who was a tit. And um, I, I tried to write this down in a book. It took me a long time to actually formulate how to write it to, to get the, the point across because it were, it were a reasonably busy night. There were about, I'd say, about 50 lads on mat. And there were so many of us sparring. And when I was sparring with this kid, he was shit. He, he, I, I said his, his gear were worth more than my car. His face didn't have a mark on it. You know, I, I had this fucking filthy turd thing. My rash vest wore a, um, a, a, I think it were a drum tobacco t-shirt. I got free for some fags I brought back from Spain to sell. That you're not allowed to, you know what I mean? Me, me belt, me white belt, well, I could fuck, it looked like a smackhead's tourniquet. You know what I mean? Honestly, there were pathogenic diseases on it. I'm not kidding you. You know what I mean? I looked like, it looked like it needed burning. You know what I mean? Just to save the universe. And, uh, and his were just like, I mean, I was getting fucking snow blindness looking at his gig. And he was like, yeah. And I remember pulling him on top of me, turning him over, he rolled up, put my feet in, Gothops, Yatskovich roll, arm up. And it took that long. Eh, done. Right? <laughs> he crawled off mat. They're not wronging. We crawled off mat and took corner. And I was sat there like, And I happened to look up and it was weird because, like I said, there were about 20 pairs fighting and about another 10 or 15 last sat round. And Mauricio Gomez could have been watching out. And he was staring right at me. I looked up and I was like, ah, fucking hell. You know what I mean? And he was staring right at me. And he had a funny look on his eye. It was like, um, it were intense, but for a reason I couldn't put my finger on. Mm. Like, like a polar bear with a cold. <laughs> <laughs> there was something there, like a big angry thing, but we, and I was like, fucking hell. And he just went, come on, Ben. And he sat on Matt, walked up, he sat on Matt, he said, come on, pass my guy. And he closed his legs around me. And I'd never been in closed guard before. Mm. Not properly. They didn't use it same in judo. And he went for a strangle. And I, I stacked him up with Suki Jimmy, with thrust and blocked it. And he whipped his leg over and arm locked me. So fuck, bang, straight on. Took him 10 seconds, like. And I thought, I've been arm locked before. Felt similar, you know, to go through. I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. I'll give another go. Did it again. And I defended my arm. And he rolled me over. But then slipped his knee through. Mm. put his knee on my chest like he does fucking hell famous for it felt like I were under a fucking Ford Fiesta <laughs> I'm not kidding you and he whoa, through it went and I was giggling as it went on I thought fucking hell so I, I tapped that fast and I got tap burn right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you I'm not kidding you fucking I think my eyes were bleeding and he was just he was just looking at me I said fucking hell and it made me realise that um they were, I'd only seen so one game. Mm. And he was saying, no, Ben, you've got to realise, I, I was famous for that. And he was saying, I've got colleagues that'll strangle the shit out of you. Mm. Blokes that'll rip your knees off. Lads I know that'll tear your feet off. Blokes that'll hook the feet inside your arms and lift you up. And he says, there's so many games in this that you need to see. And you've only seen so much. And I realise now, thinking back, that what he'd done is he'd watched me beat that other white belt and thought, he knows what he's doing. But what he didn't realise is that's all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> that were it, that one trick pony. That they only knew that I'm what that's it. That blah, blah, blah. I didn't know anything else. But um yeah, so he was very important because he was the guy that made me think, fucking hell, there's there's I, I've got to go and see what I've got to go to a sweet shop 
to see what's on offer. Mm. It was like, you can't just think that there's only that and that and that, you know. He said, I'll be able to show you lots of stuff, but this was my speciality. So it's up to you. And I think this is really fucking interesting. Yeah, anyway, yeah. I don't know if I've answered that or not. I just waffled for a minute. <laughs> You've probably answered that and about another hundred questions in there. So if we... One thing, actually, before we go on to that, I want to bring out in, in you is we had a conversation years ago about body types in jiu-jitsu. Mm. And you use Lord of the Rings to determine what makes a good grappler. They're either built like Gollum or Frodo. That's the one. Or best it will. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? Because well, I found that really well, interesting. They're either built like one big fucking ligament or one massive <laughs> muscle. Yeah. That's it. There's no in between. They're, they either look like Gollum and they've got these right massive skeletal frames with really tight sinewy muscles that weigh nothing and these massive hands and feet. So they weigh a fucking ton and have got no body fat whatsoever. Mm. Uh, Lucio Sergio, mm -hmm. uh, Legato, Braulio, Victor, um, what do you call the young lad now? He was a nipper when I first saw him fight. Leandro Lowe. Mm. They're all the same, but like fucking Gollum. You know what I mean? Just these these specimens. Or they're these really powerful, muscular, compact bastards, which it's saying where they're just one muscle. Mm. They've got vertebrae missing. So they've got no <laughs> bone mass. It's just all muscle mass. Uh, uh, I forget the names. Garcia, Garcia one. His fucking legs were like your waist. Right? Andre Galval. 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 Uh, uh, Celso Vinicius, the half guard guy. Gordo was like that. Um, uh, there's a, another guy that's been kicking around this stocky fucker. Cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. yeah. Just the, just this big muscle. and you, you, oh. It helps. People that think it doesn't are talking shit. You know what I mean? So, Gawthorpe, like Gollum. Neil Adams, like Gollum. Just the way it is. Uh, Ravenscroft, just this fucking muscle. <laughs> Even at like, I think he's like 65. Takes his top off your life. So when's the universe title again then? <laughs> you know, Steve, it's fucking. Un so, what makes that golem like build better for this sport? I don't know. Than the in betweeners? I don't know. I mean, you can get fucking good, really good. Mm. But if they get really good as well, it's like, I suppose it's like a Mr. Olympia stage, isn't it? If everybody trains just as hard as each other, they want better genetics win. Mm. People can say I'm talking shit, but I'll tell you what, I'd like to argue against them. I'd like to see what they're saying well, about you, it. Well, you just look at the top fighters in the world. and I mean, I've sort of sat and watched, and based on what you, what we, the Did conversation we had. Yeah, oh yeah. You look at them, they're either, you're right, they're either Gollum or the Frodo. I'm an Obed Salmon, I'm a weird fucker, but sometimes they make a lot of sense. I notice <laughs> weird shit, and I'm like, look, they're all built the same. They're like, like yeah, like Gollum or Frodo. There's no in-betweens. Yeah. You don't see, like, average-looking bloke, you don't. They, do, they might win, like, London Open... Mm. But they don't win worlds. They get on stadium on podium maybe. Mm. They get on podium maybe, and I tell you what else happens. They get injured earlier. <laughs> you know, he had to pack in because his knees went. Apparently, it's similar with NFL and that, isn't it? There's a similar thing. You get right. these specimens, and they make it to NFL to final bit. Work the way through. Yeah, and some of some of our normal ones do and all, but we blow out earlier. Mm. Mm. Gawthorpe's got hernias in his neck. He's got one in his neck. Mm. Yeah. Well, I've got two. Well, yeah. I've got two. I've got two in my lower back, one in my middle of my back. Steve's only just got one in his lumbar spine. He's 60 odd. Because he's far better genetic specimen than me. They yeah, go later. They last longer. They're a better 
They're a better human. Sparring with him, though, feels like you're sparring with a man made of iron rods. I think so. Everything hurts. Everything's like an edge. It just yeah, hurts. It's like you're hitting a table all the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. yeah a bit like Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like a blonde-haired Gollum. Yeah. Staring at you. Right, we'll go. <laughs> I think I'd like to ask about the... Um, so, with all your experience and, and the length of time you've been studying and practising Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I'd like to ask about... What's your understanding of, of the art, your opinion on it? If you could simplify it down. Be more specific, really ask, really get... Well, it, so going back to before when you were teaching us the, the technique, you broke it down into three stages. Aye. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit more. What, you want me to basically talk about it a bit? Yeah, just it, like, it, what's your understanding of, of how to engage... You know the different stages in in the yeah. In the well, once again, I think it comes down to again that that we're from a British culture, and so we learn things from that point of view, and I think it really helps uh, the speed at which we learn. And and I suppose for me as well, it's it's important, um, especially when you get lads and lasses that want to get good quick. And they don't care about really enjoying themselves. They just want to get good as fast as possible. So in my point on learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is that you're learning the modern form of Jiu-Jitsu, which is just like learning Judo mm. and just like learning wrestling. Well, what's the format that learns the fastest? Well, you, the, th those ideas, I mean, they're ancient. And they're ancient for a reason because they work. Those three phases, the, the, the first phase is the Kumikata, which is the grip fighting. The second phase is the kazushi, or the posture break. And the third phase is the waza, or the technique. And if you concentrate on those three phases and how it works, it seems to fit that methodical mindset that Northern Europeans have. Regardless of their ethnic background, Kishin's the same, and he's got Indian blood, but he's from here. Mm. So he's been brought up in this culture as well. And I think... I think he learns very fast. I think he learns very fast when I talk to him this way. Um, because it, it gives you structure to your learning. It's almost like an engineered approach. So he, I find that even, even um, people from a British culture that are very fluid, that are very, have a lot of flair and a lot of flow, still have nowhere near as much flow as a Latin might have or somebody <coughs> that's Asian. They are much more... So there's always a huge element of this sort of method protocol in, in, a, in, a, in our cultured brain. And we can help ourselves learn jiu-jitsu by following that again. Um, so my, my vision of learning jiu-jitsu is to really study intensely what you're looking at through those three phases. Because it makes fighters hard as nails really quick. And I've managed to do that with quite a few men. Some of them are quite boring to fight, but you're not beaten. Mm. That's the most important. Did that answer that sort of, did it? Or did I talk around the houses? I'm not sure. No, no, it does, yeah. Because I often find, like, when I'm, when I'm learning a particular technique, everything, I like to deconstruct it or look at it in stages. Or Me too. Sequences, and, and that really helps. And everything's labelled and categorised. Me too. Into things a lot. But then that's just my approach. Obviously, you know, other people are completely different, but I really enjoy the sort of mental aspect. And if I'm thinking about that as it's happening, like if if anywhere along the line of those sequences of movements 
of a, I've taken a step back. I need to know. I either need to uh, follow with the next movement or go around it and, and do a different technique. Like an engineering flowchart. Yeah. That's what I think it's like. And I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think as well, though, I really do think that even though people aren't often that way inclined, there's always an element of it in them because of the culture we're from. I think it can't not be. Mm. I think, for example, you might find a Cuban that's crap at dancing, but it'll be a lot better than a crap British band dancer. That's what I'm getting at. You understand that, yeah? You've seen my wedding video again. <laughs> That's just the way it is. I agree with you. I think we do very, very well learning like that. It's, it's simple. I think the flow comes from just a lot of sparring. Because I noticed the Brazilians just sparred a lot mm. and picked it up like that because they had such good flow. But to learn it, I, I wasn't taught this way. I, I had to pick it up this way by getting smashed by them and realising that this is what they're doing to me. Different men doing different things. Feeling what they were doing. And then teaching it to other people of my culture this way, in the way that I had absorbed it. That was my take on it. It's quite interesting, that engineered, engineered approach. Mm. And I think the way, from a teaching aspect, the way you break things down for people is very different. You will look more at lever points, uh, how to off-balance in and amongst that first two phases. You grip fighting, yeah. and then you off-balancing from there. Without that, no matter what technique you're trying to do, nothing's going to work. It's shit, yeah. yeah. I think it's the hardest thing to look at. Um, scrapping's easy. You just scrap. Mm. And people learn flow through that, I think. They just scrap around. You take the young ones on the mat. You're young and you, all of you, good scrappers, because you're fighting. If you can put some, some protocol behind it and put a method to it, mm. it makes it dangerous then. Dangerous. That's what I see. It's the, the, those, those third phases where the move takes place, it's not actually that hard to do. But the problem is you can know thousands of them and it'd be fucking useless because the other guy's dominating the fight. If he's got the grips and he's moving you around, you feel this a lot um, in stand-up if you get a chance to spar with an eye-level wrestler or an eye-level judoka that doesn't want to hurt you because they keep gripping you and you just feel like a rag doll. They don't want to throw you on your head and hurt you. But you feel like you're being, you feel like a kid in a playground where big lad's got your collar and just running around so your feet come off floor. You've got nothing and, and it's embarrassing. You start laughing and they, they're just dominating these first few phases. You see it with some of the UFC fighters now. It's coming, the world-class wrestlers and grapplers. Uh, Damien Meyer did it with him and the, the new lad, the, the Sambo, is it Khabib? Yeah. Oh, um... and, and Ben Askren. They're just so far in front with first two phases that the other person just hasn't got a grip and they're just dominating them with, with, with posture break all the time, all the time. So the, the other guy's just catching up. The other guy might have phenomenal phase three. He's got ace arm locks and great this thing, but he's got another chance to use it. Fucking pointless. Like trying to drive a car with a key in your pocket. It don't work. That's what I see a lot of, a lot mm. of. Oh, he's a good arm locker, him. Yeah, but he's fighting a guy that's, you know. You saw it years ago with uh, um, Tito Ortiz and, um, and uh, Randy Couture. One was a college-level wrestler, and other one an Olympic level. And he just, that was all he needed to know. He just dominated and dominated and dominated and dominated. And at the end of the fight, Ortiz actually cried, because I think he was that frustrated, because mm. he couldn't get going at all. Yeah. I was no, trying to get over this to your will today, though. Mm. I said, look, you're just watching me. 
waiting for waiting trying to be, be more aggressive Sonny you'll go and prove faster yeah, don't make him more aggressive I don't need uh, that he'll be good I'm too old for it yeah no, that's what you want you want him beating you up that's what you want <laughs> my bad I'll let you answer that it's alright, we, we can crop it out. I think Garcia is the oh, man, shit. isn't he? Cool. He just put players into his game, doesn't he, Garcia? He just doesn't play at all, like, unless it's I mean. in his game. He just yeah. dominates. He just, he just like, attacks all over. He'll come into my position. Yeah. And the other one, the one that, that I saw first of that was Jacare. He was incredible. Mm. He just, he's, he's. Interestingly enough, I watched him in Brazil fighting when he had when he fought the famous tournament with Roger Gracie, I think it was 2004. So when he got his arm. Hodger snapped his arm. Yeah, I've yeah, watched yeah. that fight a fair few times. Me and Andy Miller. Started. Me and Andy Miller were stood in the on the in the stadium, and we were stood with Jacare facing us when Roger went this way. So you saw his arm go the wrong way. But because I was was with Miller, whose dad was like an Olympic standard judoka, and Andy himself was half Japanese and he trained in Japan and was a national standard judoka. When he watched him fight, he said, "That guy's judo is fantastic, Jacare. Mm. His grip gripping's fantastic." And when you watch Jacare fight and Marcelo Garcia, they just attacked and implemented those phases on their opponent and either won or lost trying to do it, mm. which I thought was really good. So they, they used all the ammo they had trying to kill the guy. They never, ever lost with a bullet left in gun, ever. So they give it balls out and they went through all phases, bam, 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 and they either beat them because they were better than or lost because the other guy was better than they were. And that was it. Mm. I think... I think- the sort of modern day points fighting that's coming around is kind of stopping that people aren't attacking to finish submissions anymore. I think it's awful. No, I'm not a massive fan of it myself. I think it, you know if you're going to compete, you've got to understand that. But he's turning my knee. Say again. He's turning my knee. He's reaping my knee. Mm, he's not allowed to do that till I take my gear off and fight him again in half an hour without my gear on. What <laughs> <laughs> the fuck are you going on about? How many points is it for this? I've no idea. And people ask me, is this legal? Can you do that in jiu-jitsu? What? What you did? Put your hands around my throat. Well, I just fucking did it. You're asking me, can I literally do it? Or you mean in a, in a tournament? Honestly, I don't know what to say to people. I remember Carlos Gracie wrapping my gi wet through, round my face, and getting my belt round my neck while sat on me. It was like being waterboarded while it was making me look like a shake. Mm. Honestly. I look like an <laughs> Arab, right? And it was this wet gear, and he was just strangling me by basically hanging me with this wet shit over my face. And I'm at the time thinking, God, this is horrible. I'm going to die. Yeah. I didn't think, you're not allowed to do that. They no. were doing it. No. You know? I think it's become very... Well, there's not as much violence in jiu-jitsu. It's not as brutal not as, as you know, the stories of the guys that are starting now. It is rules and can I do this, can I do that? And I think I there, like there isn't there isn't the brutality that what it that does, I like to fight. What with. it does is I think it actually creates injury. Mm. I think it creates injury, Sam. I, I think I want to be careful how I say this and explain my point, otherwise people think you're a nutcase. But you should be allowed to slam in the guard, and you should be allowed to slam from a triangle, mm. because then you won't see any slams from triangles or slams from guards, because people think bollocks to this. So as soon as you had a guard and somebody picked you up, you'd open it. And land on your bum. Mm. Or you jump to your feet. Because you think he's going to slam me. And the same way a triangle. Somebody pick you up, you'd let it go. Yeah. Which means that you wouldn't see anybody accidentally get slammed or slammed by somebody that they're not allowed to do it. Yeah. And I think it's insane that they punish 
the, the guy for doing something which would be useful and defend a guy that will then create a natural reaction which isn't useful in a normal fight. And I mean, I think Ricardo Arona had definitely seconded me on that. Mm. Did yeah. you ever see what happened to him? Going back when he got picked, I think it was Rampage Jackson. Was it not Was it not Matt Hughes? Uh, Matt Rampage Jackson did it to him with, 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 if I'm thinking the right fight back in Pride years ago. Oh, he closed the triangle and got picked up. And that was the last thing he remembered. I can't remember who it was. Matt Hughes slammed in a triangle. That was my oh, first... Oh, uh, oh yeah. Um, Newton. Carlos Curl, big curly head. Carlos Newton. Carlos Newton. Yeah, yeah. Carlos Newton. I was the first ever fight I watched that. You, you, the, the idea of, of... I think they started to do it with Sumagashi off the corner as well. If the guy's head goes to the outside and you grab the belt and throw yeah, it that way can't. and he lands on his head, you get persecuted for mm. him fucking up. Yeah, you can't. Well, that doesn't help him in a chip shot, does it? He's better off learning not to put his head on that side. So the first time he smashes his head onto the floor, he's not going to do it again. Mm. I think so. I don't. It makes sense to me that you should be allowed to slam from guards and from triangles because then it won't happen. Because you'll say to people when you teach them, look, when they stand up for God's sake, up on your legs, because you're going to get spiked on your neck and your neck, bro. Mm. And it'll stop it happening. I don't. That's the way to. How do we stop slamming it? Get people from slamming it guard. Let them slam. And it'll happen for about a week and people will be like, fuck this. Yeah. I think so. All liberals will be screaming. You can't argue fuck the logic them. though. Oh, I'd like to argue with somebody about it. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Hmm. It does. What would you teach your students? I ain't got students like, what would you teach your students? Right, you do this triangle. If they stand up, open it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you'll end up fucking Stephen Hawking. your head. Bushing, here's, here's, a, here's a fucking prescription. Go to Lidl, go to Ikea and get you in a nice wheelchair. Yeah. Blow through a straw to move. Look that. Isn't it? Could I... Um, no. I'd, yeah. I'd, li- I'd like to ask... Uh, <laughs> I've actually been slammed on there before, doing a triangle. I didn't uh, do it again, did you? So that weren't me, I could never pick you up. And it was... Well, I mean, I shouldn't have been doing it, but I was outside with my brother mucking around we were a bit And he didn't know any better. And I put, I put him in a triangle. And he didn't know he any stood better. He up and just plonked me on the back of my head and I was almost knocked out. And he didn't know any better, you see, and he didn't yeah. do any good. But if, if the rules that have been that you can slam in triangles, yeah. you would have known that as soon as you felt your ass come off the floor, I'm letting this go. I got so, carried to a window on top floor of Bar Gracie by Babalu. Carried to a window three floors up. We were looking at me, then looking outside, then looking at me, then looking outside. And he said to me, there's not a lot you can do, Ben, when your feet aren't touching the floor. I thought, fucking hell, yeah, I'm going through here, me. Yeah. <laughs> 50 foot up. Yeah, that's not a wheelchair, that's a bloody sepultura. That's a coffin in your mum crying. <laughs> Isn't it? Took you in a body bag. Isn't it? Yeah. That's why we've got a graveyard straight opposite Jim. Roll them over here, nick them on it, roll them in there, get in there. <laughs> Two bodies deep, be right. Lead lined, you be all right. So we've got some little... I was, I was going to ask first about oh, this. Oh, go on then. Um, would you agree that technique is, is king in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Yeah. Because, it, because technique is the best way to increase your power. That makes sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The, the, the most powerful man will win the fight. The man that can create the most amount of kinetic energy. Help me out, physicist. Yeah. To create the power and the, connect, the most amount of kinetic energy and, and energy chain and power, not strength, power will win the fight. And the best way to increase your power is through superior technique. Like having uh, longer screwdrivers, better made spanners, 
longer levers, it creates more power. Yeah. So does being stronger, which is why it's nice to get rid of your belly and do a few weights and get faster as well, get yeah. in good shape, because that increases power as well. But the best way to increase power is with technique. That's why you can get a little fucker and it gets you in an arm lock. How much power's in the arm lock? Mm. It's powerful, yeah, you feel it, yeah. That's so it. technique king by miles. There's yeah. no other way to increase your power at such an exponential rate and uh, at such a short space of time than increasing your technique. That creates the most power by miles. That's how a little way I beat a bigger guy. Mm. At that point in time, he's more powerful due to the technique. That's this actually links in great with the uh, next round we're going to do. Do you want to take it, Sam? Yeah, so we've got a list of... We were going to do them on cards, but my laminator stopped working, so you've got little strips of paper instead. Is it loads of fit birds? Which one would you bang first? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've Caroline played that this morning. So it's the, the attri- attribute rank game. So we'd like you to rank them in order, in your opinion. So what's that? So we've got big tits. Hold <laughs> 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 Don't let my wife listen to this. She'll just be shaking her head. So what we've given Ben is the attributes of strength, well, flexibility, speed. That's kitchen. Stamina. What's that one? Note. <laughs> that was just testing you, that one. <laughs> Keep going, Sam. Keep speed, going. stamina, balance, agility, technique and mindset, body composition. I think, yeah, that's it, yeah. Oh, no, we didn't put competition experience in because I forgot to write that one out. I forgot it. And there's te- technique in there as well. So Ben's just just ranking these in order. And then what what we'd like you to do once once you've you've got them ranked is speak about e- each one. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I think. It could be complete fucking nonsense, but I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> <laughs> you ask my mother, she'd be nodding her head, saying, "Yeah." I've been introduced by mother to people before, so this is my son. He's generally all right, but it can be a bit of a knob. <laughs> it's when they stop introducing you to people that you know you're going around. That's true, yeah. Who's he? I don't know. Never met him before. <laughs> I think apparently she asked for an abortion once, but my dad had to explain to her, you can't love his eight. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do here? Wait a minute. What time balance me? Agility. I think it comes probably. These are all very similar, I think. Very similar. See, the thought process is, from, from mine and Luke's perspective, is that everyone mm. will rank these differently. So we give these to you, you'll rank them in one way. We might give them to Legato, he might rank them differently. Ah, he's an idiot. Tell him <laughs> I said. <laughs> Nah, he scares me. I ain't gonna say that. He's lovely. He's hard as nails, but he's lovely. He's not eight, you Lucio. God, I want another hand. Fucking kill you, We had one of our. I don't uh, think how many people he's buried. To be honest. One of our students went out to Brazil and trained with Gordo. Um, terrifying bloke. Lovely man, but terrifying bloke. And he said he was the scariest man he'd ever met. Scariest man I've ever met. <laughs> Hardest man I've ever known. People say he was greatest you've ever been battered by. Oh, Roger Gracie by miles. Mm. But he's lovely. God, yeah. I was just fucking terrifying. Mm. You know what I mean? Just terrifying. I think that's the one that's missing. Ah, that one? Oh. ah, I see, yeah. 
What were that ones? These are so... Flexibility. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they're all, they're all different attributes. And I think the, the angle we wanted to take with it was, well, once they are ranked, we'd like to ask you about the best way to train or how you'd go about training each individual one. Or even before that, you know, what I think uh, that's uh, is that particular attribute important? Uh, would you train it at all? Things like this. I think that's actually the last. But it is important. I think they're all the same. So I'll start from the bottom, the one that you've just said last. Is the body composition. Body composition and type. Mm. So that kind of contradicts the Golem Frodo. It's because all the others are maxed. Right. So it becomes important. I think. Right, okay, fair enough. I think they're all maxed out. And so that then becomes the issue. That becomes the deciding factor. Mm. That slight genetic change there. You know? That makes... The, like best the, the best of the best. The best, like you see with the Olympic swimmers, they all line up and you're like, fucking hell. So they all look sane, don't they? Oh, yeah. You see Olympic final, like 100 metres swimming, you're like, well, well that's like that, a clone. I mean, that, that was my sport prior to this, and my issue was I was about five inches too small. Go, mm. And the rest. Like being a goalkeeper, Sam, it's same. Mm. He's, he really wants to be a goalkeeper. And you look at his mum and looking at his dad and you're thinking, how big were his grandma and granddad? Because neither of you was making five foot five. Mm. He's not going to make it, mate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go on, ask me away. Well, so, could we just, uh, how have you got them ranked then, if we could just list list each one? So, last was body composition. Yeah. What have you, because you've stuck three together, what have we got? Above that, I think, I think balance, flexibility and agility are all very, very similar. Very, very similar. Very, very similar. I think the, there's none of those which stand out above the others for me. I think those at the top are the... Technique's king. Mental strength. That's so important as well. Without that. So I think if you've got terrific technique and good mental strength, whew, Jesus, you've you've got a dangerous man in front of you. And then I think speed and strength below that are both equal. I think they, they both are very important because they've, they've, they've got a similar um, influence on power output. Mm-hmm. Being very fast really increases your power. You'll know the mathematics of why. I'm thinking, why? Why does that work with wattage and stuff like that? Anyway, but strength the same. Somebody who's very strong creates more power. Mm. But sometimes, like I said, it could be a little fast guy. He's extremely can he increase the power or a really powerful fucker. I can explain it really well if you want. You pull it yeah. These two. No, so power is force times velocity. Oh, there you go. And force is your strength. There you go. Times that. And it. speed is your velocity. So there's the two. So that's your there, equation for power. There's the two, yeah, two yeah. variables, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. There you go, I just had to put a times in there. See, it's always nasty. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, look, yeah. But you, you're not always going to get the fast, strong people. And I think that's going to come down to you have to develop your technique to your strengths. Yeah. So, so if you're yeah. a smaller, faster guy, you're going to work better doing standing, Toriando. Fast back stepping, crazy nut job passing. Yeah, I, I think I think to be honest as well though, Sam, I think there's there's two elements to that. There's predisposition, which is what you just said, but I think it's also the the, the nurturing. You will through through training you'll start to notice that you're having more success with that. Mm. And therefore that's what you'll start to apply. Does that make any sense? Yeah. yeah absolutely. I agree with what you're saying, but I think there's that addition, like I said. Mm. So the first part is that, Christ, I'm better at this. I'm predisposed to doing it. I'm ever so quick. I'm better at distance to pass legs by holding them. 
And also, when I do it, I have more success. Mm. And that in itself also adds an extra sugar to the tea. You think, this is nicer. Mm. I'm going to do it this way. So I think it compounds the issue. So it becomes an exponential growth, that. Well, it's that positive reinforcement, Positive it? reinforcement. That's a really good way of putting it. If you're it, doing yeah. something and it works... You want to do it more. Even if, even if it's wrong. Yeah. But if it works on your main training partner... You'll do it together again. Yeah. Stamina and endurance. That's, you add that together with those. Technique, mental strength, and then strength and speed together. Stamina and endurance, yeah. And then you progress. And then, then basically the rest. These are all the sort of... I think these four are... Balance. See, if you could add one more, I think what would put... From what I know about you, the one that would even go above technique is strategy. I think strategy... Wouldn't go above no. technique, no. But it's in there. But I'd, I'd link it into that. Into mental strength. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably put it with it. Yeah. But it's very important. The lads that are world champions and Olympic champions, they're hard men. The brains are hardened. They all, all of them, all of them, mm. they're hardened. They can take some mental hammer, you know. I mean, I've said for a lot of years, I've been in and around different sports at very high levels and... I think you have to have an addictive personality in order to get to a high level. You have to be mental. Hmm. But it can, it can go either way. You're either going to have that addictive personality and end up... Ruining a, yourself. Yeah, in, in, going, in a doorway going. of a shoe zone. Or you're going to wind up at the top of the top. No, you know, yeah. It is. It's it just depends it's, on it's, the pathway that you get. It's, uh, it's, what do they call it? Jedi and Sith, isn't it? You become hmm. Lord Vader or fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi. You become great or just a complete arse. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Aye. Or just... Yeah, I agree with that, Sam. I think that's dead right. Do you need to look at them? Or I don't know if you want to take a... Do you want to take a snap of it? Yeah. And well, then we if, can... If we leave them there. Um, what, what we'd like you to do is... Um, <laughs> would you be able to talk, so from the perspective of, like, how to improve on those particular, um, you know, attributes? So if we talk yeah. about technique... That'll... Technique, uh, yeah... I think you'd de if, if, if I'm dealing with a Brit or somebody from Northern Europe culture, Northern European culture, because a lot of them are very similar. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Germans are phenomenal to talk to about that strategy because they're just so methodical. It's phenomenal. You know mm. what I mean? I mean if, you, if you've got enough money, you buy a German car and a German stereo, don't you? Because they're just yeah. buff. They're so, they're ace at that. You talk, to, you talk to a German like this and they love it. They're like, oh, this fits my mindset. You're like, I know. It's like you invented it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of that old joke, German joke. It's about the couple that, the, the English couple that adopt the, don't worry, it's not racist, it's the English couple, the English couple that adopt the, the little German boy and he just never speaks, ever. And they're really worried about him because he never, ever, ever, ever speaks. And he gets to about seven, never spoke a word. And one morning he just, he just says, there's too much sugar in that porridge. And they go, Jesus, you know, you actually talk. We can't believe you talk. Why haven't you spoke before? And he just says, well, up until now, everything's been satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. So, uh, with anything of our sort of cultural mindset of that method, method, how would you say it? Methodological, I can't say the word, but, 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 approach. Approach with, with method. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, studying technique, I'd definitely look at those three phases of fighting the the ancient phases of grabbing upsetting and then do the technique and make sure that you're studying it with people that really know what they're on about and try and learn 
um, what they do and what they were very, very good at. You know, so you get Legato on Matt, which you'll have him on Matt. Ask him about how he gripped with his open guard and his triangles and that. Because mm. he's beat some of the best men in the world with that. So so steal his best stuff. If that makes sense. I won't, I won't bother. I mean, he'd probably bollock me for this one. I see him a goo wanker. But I won't ask him about an ankle lock. See, he'll have an ace ankle lock. But, but his triangles were world class. Mm. Some of the best ever. But you want to know about that. Mm. Even if you're not a triangle man. The mechanics there, you'll be able to apply to something else. There'll be a trick that you think, and I can do that with this now as well. You know, So with technique, I think that's very important, that you try and use a strategy of the learning of the three phases and make sure that everything you're learning is right. I think I want to quote Neil Adams now. Practice makes permanent. So make sure you're not doing it permanently wrong. Because mm. it doesn't make perfect at all. So to, to go on from that, Everybody learns in different ways. It's, it's just kind of... Every, mm. Some people are visual learners. Others learn by doing it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some weird people can listen to something and then go and do it. Yeah, they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't do that. No, I, mean, I, I can't do that one. Neither. You have to do it on me. Let yeah. me feel it. Mm. Yeah, I, I learned from, from that, 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 that practicing and yeah. having somebody do something on you, I find really, really beneficial. I find it really helpful. Yeah. To so, feel it, I have to feel it. Mm. Mm. That's a tactile art, isn't it? Mm. At, at its essence. Yeah, I think ever so much so. Some people, like you said, some people are incredible. They can just watch him do it and they just replicate it. But all classes start from that visual learning perspective. Yeah. So we all line up. Instructor will show a technique, and then we have to go off and practice it. So how can you best watch that technique and then go and practice it? How would you? Personally, how would you extract the information you need from watching somebody? How would I do it? Mm. So Just be, for you. Be more specific. So what am I... What, be really specific. Oh, am I watching? What are they doing? And then what? Go on. Because so, I'm weird like this. All right. So let's say I'm on, I'm on the mat now teaching a footlock. It's my go-to thing. I'm quite comfortable in that position. Yeah. Um, I'm teaching that footlock on somebody else. You're watching me. How are you going to extract that information from there to then be able to go and do it straight away? Or would you require... I've got to get you to do it on me. Yeah. And then I've got to feel each phase of the three phases I just said. So you've got, feel you, how you really hold... have to feel everything then. Yeah. And I, I think... I think it, see, I think that even when you get into each phase, there's three phases in that. So so you're looking at a footlock, which is a wazza, which is a technique, which mm. is the final phase. There's three phases in that. Mm. Yeah. There's yeah. the way you hold the foot, the way they keep me off balance whilst you're going for it, and the way you finish it. Yeah. And I'd have to have you do it on me. In order to feel all those phases. I'd watch you do it and it wouldn't make sense until I'd felt what you were doing. Because often what you see and what you feel and what you smell are different. Mm. And you see that a lot. I think you can see somebody do something and you can smell them do it. But unless they're doing it on you, you can't fucking feel it. So from from a student's perspective, if if that's how you learn, the best thing to do is to ask the person teaching to show you. you. To do it on you. From my point of view. That's how I'd have to learn it. Some people I've seen, we've just discussed, don't need that at all. Just go and do it. But I think it's nice to go around and have them feel what you're doing. So mm. let me do it on you. You do it on me as well. So I can feel that you're gripping it right and blah, blah, blah. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. Mm. Not just mindlessly just repeating shit that means nothing. It's a waste of time. It's a repetition for the sake of it. Mm. Yeah, it's like painting a wall with wrong colour. I find it much easier to teach. If, if Again, if, you're, if I'm watching a technique and... I've taught it one way and I'm looking at it going, well, that's not working for them, but why? I don't know. 
until you feel it, until they do it on you, and it's very different. You yeah. can feel where the initially going that's wrong. That's where I pick up on it. Mm. That's always how I pick up on it. I you have to, to do it on you. Everything I've, I've learned to teach has been done because I felt what people were doing on me. Mm. And everything I stole were from great men that did things that I felt them doing on me. And it often wasn't what they say they were doing at all. They might have said, I'm doing this. And I just nodded, but realised that's weren't what they are doing at all. They were doing something entirely different. They just weren't aware of it. I noticed that. So I agree with you. Yeah, yeah I think that definitely, uh, it, it sort of relates to like what they're calling now invisible jiu-jitsu or hidden jiu-jitsu mm. and there's no way of really experiencing that or knowing what it is unless you have it the, you know, the technique or, or done to you and then then you can sort of you can sort of know it's like go, going back to the technique and shagging the shoulder with the in the armbar position favorite like, description it looks the same when you look at that you can't see the pelvis like no. turning no no and then that you can only feel it you can off. only feel it when you're the guy underneath it looks the same, doesn't it? It's no different to me looking at you now and saying, which arse cheek am I tensing? Yeah. I know what I'm doing and it feels different to me. I'm into that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Watch me, I go. Watch me. <laughs> it used to be a bit funky, but they've cured me now. Go <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> get the towel. <laughs> I've got some fresh pants in my bag, I'm going to Oh, dear, right. Where, where, where are we going before Ben takes us down this very, very deep slope? It's, it's a right rabbit hole, this. I think we're still on technique, uh, talking about different learners, st learning styles, tactile learners, auditory, and so on, visual. Um, I see loads of shit being taught. Yeah. Technique-wise, it's fine, but the way that it's taught is just shit. I think it's pointless. Teaching itself is an art. It's an absolute art form. And a lot of the... I mean, I, I've been at some seminars that are taught by some fantastic grapplers. But my fucking God, they can't get the point across. The students are far, often far better students than the teacher is t teaching them. Mm. They're just lucky they've got such good fucking students that are picking up, that are doing their own sort of after-hours learning. It's weird, really, sometimes, you know. I'm not going to mention names, but I see a lot of stuff of well where people talk about how great people are, and I think that's just statistics. They're from a city that's one of the biggest in the world, and therefore they've got this many people which are good. It's there's that many serial killers at that time in that city as well. It's just the way it is. It's a numbers game, you know. Show me a guy that lives in I don't know, uh, Dewsbury that's got eight world champions, then I'll show you a coach. Mm. Not somebody from a capital city that's got these, oh, isn't he awesome? Well, fuck me. Like I said, it's just, it could have done nothing. Could have spent all day wanking while they were training and you'll get some world champions. It's just statistic odds, you know? I've seen some horrific fucking coaching. I think I don't know why they bother. Some of them, I think you're just lucky that, you that your students are good. Mm. That's all, you know? They've just taken a percentage of the population and of course, some of them are going to be great. And that's it. But it comes back to that natural genetic and sort of mental aspect where that's what you want to do that's what you want to do yeah mental strength well I think that's hard to learn I don't I don't think I, personally I don't think you can no, I, I don't think you can learn that learn. mental strength I think I think looking at the actual I think a lot of the younger generation I think are 
fucking am worried for them, me. Mm. I mean, I'll just drop dead and don't give a shit. But I, I look at them and I, I think it's horrendous what they're doing to them. I think they're bringing up some weak kids, some fucking weak kids. And I think they're weakening people that are already weak and they're making weak people that would have been a lot stronger mm. by giving them these fucking stupid ideas. I'm, I, to be honest, it's getting on my nerves now. And not a lot of things actually bother me because I generally don't give a shit. But I'm getting a bit tired of people being upset because of a noise somebody's made with a mouth. I find it sort of... Like, they talk about being offended. And I'm thinking, I'm getting fucking offended by you being offended, to be honest. <laughs> you know, you're getting on my fucking nerves now. He <laughs> swore. Fuck off of there and moan about it. Anyway, yeah, mental strength. That's... Yeah, I think it's... Uh, that's hard to learn. I think you can... I think you can polish it a bit, mm. but it's already got to be there. That's some mad men and some men that weren't. Yeah. Mm. What mm. creates that mental strength, though? That's the uh, that's the question. I'll tell you what, I think psychologists have been talking about that for a long, long time, haven't they? Does nature beat nature in that regard? I don't. Mm. Oh, I don't want to get into that. I'm 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 not an intelligent man anyway, and I'm definitely not intelligent enough for that. That's. Whew. Like I said, I think as far as I'm concerned, I think you can really cripple it. Mm. By bad upbringing. Yeah. By, you know, I think, and, I, and I'm worried that they're doing this a lot now. I, I see some kids and I think, God, you've got an opinion of the world that's just going to wreck you. I think a lot of the, uh, again, from, from, from a dad perspective, a lot of the, looking at different kids nowadays and teaching kids as well, a lot of them don't really understand consequence. No, they don't. You know? Do you know what I noticed, Sam? When I, when I were a lad... Um, you spent a lot of time in groups of kids. So, when I were a lad, you'd, let's say you went out to the park to piss about with your mates, there'd be older lads there. And if you got out of line, you got leathered. You got a crack, right? What seems to have happened is that there's always parents about now. So these young kids are able to say things to older kids with no consequence, mm. no happens. And the consequence seems to come later in life when the consequence is greater. Mm. And I can you sense? So it's no longer a bigger kid busting your nose. It's a grown man beating your nose to death. And it's you should have learnt it when you were younger. That you don't get away with that at all. That sort of thing I notice. It sounds strange, I suppose, to people me saying that. But I notice things like that a lot. And I've, I've noticed some youngers doing and saying things that I think, oh man, what are you? Who's like? What I have noticed is that there is lots of parents though that, that really appreciate the kids being talked to in this in the older way again now mm, they want yeah. that I mean don't get me wrong I don't effing blind in front of kids you know I might use words that people think are inappropriate but to me it, it's a word nobed means nobed that's not a swear word neither is crap or bollocks you know and but you need to I think it needs to be toned down but they need to be taught yeah consequence and kids don't rule they do as they're told Mm. You know, I'm not kids telling you what they want for the tea. But no, no, no. It's, when I were a kid, you got what your dad had. I wouldn't have been surprised if he were having a beer, you got one of them as well. You know, you didn't <laughs> choose, well, I want that, and there you go. No, 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 no. And he got served first. Then you got your tea, you know. And, and I don't, people can say, oh, you just, you're just a, a northern knob. And I think, well, it, it through, through shit I've seen, it, it never particularly upset me. I, I was saying to him the other day, if I drop dead tomorrow, I won't give a shit. I'm happy what I've achieved and everything's fine. To not be to not be prepared for death and not be mentally strong 
is, is a problem with upbringing and a problem with yourself, I mm. think. And it does tie into, into things like jiu-jitsu when you see it in people, people whinging and whining. That kid said to me the other day, I told you, and he was laughing. Yeah, well, I'm not telling you where. He said to me, yeah, but it hurts my fingers when I put my hand in gear like that. And I, th- I said, fucking hell, mate, go and get a paper around then. What on earth? <laughs> I can't help you. It hurts your hand holding that. What do you want me to say? You know, I'd, I'd have been a, a, a grown man. I'd have been embarrassed. Like, well, I felt like saying, show us your fingers. What's wrong with you? You know, I went, I'm, I'm on about just grabbing the gi. It wasn't some funky grip. Just, when I do this, it hurts my hand. Well, uh, yeah. I, I remember, phew, I can't worry what it was, being a lad, and lots of little things from being a lad. I remember going on about some at once and my father saying, stop moaning, you get no sympathy from me. And then he said... If you want sympathy, look it up in dictionary. You'll find it between shit and syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. You know, like, you're not going to get anywhere with that, son. You know, your mum might hug you, and then she'll die, and then you sat on your own, whining. <laughs> it's true. Only your mum wants to listen to your bullshit, innit? And only your mum will. After that, everybody's like, oh, fucking moan here. Shut up, dickhead. So a mental strength... Hard to develop, especially if you've got your kids in a society which is just making them think they're special and they're not, because they ain't. I tell my nephew that all the time, you're not special, you're just normal. You've got to do something special, mm. then you'll be special. You ain't special to me, mate, you just annoying me. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, I think what was interesting about before you, you talked about how you did a study of Kundalini breathing or different breathing techniques and I think having an understanding of that in particular would be helpful when, when you're in uh, sparring or in a com- competition uh, from the mental uh, side of it because instead of panicking you, you could then yeah, resort I, to your breathing. Do you know what? I think it, it does but I think it, it comes under mental strength as well that some of my mental strength is that I've never been much of a panicker really. I've never, I've never suffered from anxiety. I've had angina, but I've never suffered from, <laughs> I've never suffered from anxiety. Um, me, I mean, even under, having an heart attack, two heart attacks, and me, 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 my um, blood pressure didn't change. But that made me say, oh, superhuman. No, that just seemed to be, that's like bragging about how tall you are. That just seemed to be it, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, maybe it does help. I, I find that I don't get particularly out of breath um, in terms of my limitations compared to other people. I often spar with younger men and I look down and I think, you know, I look, actually look a bit tighter than me. Now, that don't matter if they're 20 years younger because I'm still tired. <laughs> but in terms of percentage-wise, they've used... And often it, I find anxiety and I watch him breathing wrong and panting and I think, you could work on that. So maybe that is part of a mental strength you could develop. So that's a good point, though. So maybe you could change the mental strength by using techniques to... Because I think maybe you can control... Is it parasympathetic nervous system that you can mm. over-breathe? Yeah, so yeah. maybe maybe there is ways around that that you can... Because I know people deal with their anxiety through breath work, don't they? Yeah. I just did it because it was weird. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Uh, the same way as... I, I wouldn't... Um, I didn't go and lift weights because I wanted to level my blood pressure. I went lifting weights because I liked lifting weights. I did the pranayama because I liked the breathing. I didn't think... God, I keep having a panic attack. I best learn breathing. It wasn't a consequence of something. It was just me being a weirdo. I like that. I want to do that. Yeah. You know, that was it, yeah. yeah so, I, I think that definitely would be beneficial uh, for grapplers to learn at some point. So oh, yeah. N- next time you come up, it could be Yeah, we, I can definitely talk to you about it. it. What's amazing is nobody really gives a shit. I'll tell you what's weird. Um, 
I, I did a few vids because somebody asked me to do them and I did some and put them on YouTube and that and I think he put a, a couple out. But people were just obsessed with the, the, the belly rolling mm-hmm. and they missed the point. And I said, I'm not doing any more because people just once again have gone external. I want to learn that and try to do that because it looks good. Oh, you've missed fucking point. You know what I mean? It looks good. Oh, go and buy a car, a nice car. It'll look good. I don't see, you know, buy a nice T-shirt. It's easier. So I'm not really going to show it anymore unless somebody asks like that. Proper breath work. I definitely think it's important. I think if you're breathing wrong, then you're definitely not uh, using all these attributes best and you come down to stamina endurance again, then it's linked up there. Yeah. I think bad breath, breathing really affects that stamina endurance really badly panting away mm. you, like your young and will ends up fucked yeah really tired sat on him he's panting come on graft come on get out get out oh, I'm getting tired now so we fucking puff how old is he oh, he's what 16 yeah come on you should be able to go all day mm. you know there you go in but bad breathing he was just almost hyperventilating by end I think it's efficiency as well Efficiency. I yeah. mean, I, when I teach, I call it lazy jiu-jitsu. Yours is getting better. You're breathing a lot better than me. I could see you sitting back thinking, I need to think here and breathe. Mm. Yeah, just, just calm down. Lazy jiu-jitsu. Calm down. I, I want the most result from the least amount of work. I think it's more brain work though, Sam. I think the word lazy is bad because I think... No, it's, it's, it's efficient, isn't it? It's efficient. I think you do less with your body and more with your head. Mm. You think, you know, I need to just think this through. And you get like neurally tired. So after the sparring, you might not be as physically exhausted as you were the month before, but you're almost feel neurally tired like you could have a kip. Mm. Oh, you've yeah. really worked your head. Like a chess player, they finish and they go and have a sleep, don't they? Because they're knackered. So I won't call it lazy. I think it's, no, it's very, a, it, very it's, cute. It's efficient jujitsu, yeah. but that doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Lazy no, jujitsu. I just don't want to move. I want to crush. And, yeah, that's right. Yeah, lazy jujitsu yeah. has a better ring to it. Yeah. And I think it definitely comes into the stamina and endurance, that definitely. I think I think what you're doing, like from a a mental side of it, when you when you're grappling or fighting or sparring, you're solving problems under pressure. So or the way what, the way I'm looking at it is, so if they're put doing this particular move, then I'm thinking right, I can either go down there, or mm-hmm. there, or everywhere, and, and running like different. Um, sort of directions or counters or whatever yeah. trying to get out of it yeah. and I've sort of like just from my experience doing grappling come up in my own head the way I understand it is it's it's a, like the mental aspect of it and, and you're sort of processing speed and be able to think of all those options the fastest oftentimes you're winning you can sort of dictate just by knowing what position they're in and what grips you have you can tell which way they're going to go and yeah. which way they can't yeah. go sort of thing. Like a sensibility of touch and yeah. sensitivity of timing and that. Yeah, it yeah. all comes into it. But it sort of links into like the, like conceptual learning which goes back to technique but it's also linked to sort of the mental aspect because if you if you learn how the body moves, so say like if you if you have control of this this arm or shoulder or this lever and that hip, then you know they it can't they, move this way and that way, line, definitely. Don't you find way. also that as you learn more and more, because I did, that you have to then not get giddy. And that it's often your own interpretation that goes too far, which puts you in trouble. Yeah. So sometimes you were better half a second before. And that's what I try to learn a lot now as an older man. If you watch me when I'm training or if I'm sparring with you, I don't move a lot. I try and find out the limit of what I can make out of that position before I actually have to move any further. Because often you think, I'll go here. And you think, you know, I'm better where I was. Because there was more pressure. 
you're a young one on about it. He says, it's like you don't actually want to pass me guard. You're just lying on me and I can't move and you're crushing me. Yeah, that's the idea. And I find that hard to tweak, but it's what I felt from great men. That they follow the pattern that you were just talking about. That exact pattern that their brain recognised the mechanical motions of what was happening at that time. But they never went beyond it. They stayed within the range. And that seems to be the secret. We either don't go far enough or you go too far and you lose it because you're not in that sweet spot. Mm. That's what I recognise. And I find now the hardest thing to do is to keep backing off, not dive in. And it's difficult sometimes because it's, it's hard work on your brain to not go far enough and then them escape the position. Can I do just enough as opposed to... So to stay within that range, can I do just enough as opposed to just the right side of nearly too much. The essence of less is more, almost. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I find that fucking hard to do, but that's what I've been working on for a long, long time. Can I beat the guy by barely moving? Yeah. And he just gives in. I've had enough. Yeah. I think that's the, a massive difference between watching world-class black belts and world-class purple belts. It all comes down to the timing of things. Damn. If you watch, if you, if you were to go on, go, go and watch the Worlds or the Euros from, from the most recent competitions, you watch the purple belts and they move so much. Mm. They get the same end result, they'll pass the guard as the black belt, but the black belt will move in a much smaller range. Watch the Masters division. Yeah. That's what I like to watch. Just I used to like watching the old men. It was actually what I was saying to uh, some of the um, some of the guys in the seminar when you were rolling with Will kind of sat watching and they're going it's just moving all the time won't actually watch I said ignore Will ignore Will's movement he's young he's energetic he's moving a lot just watch Ben and how little how yeah how, how much how little he's yeah. actually moving yeah. but he's getting the same end result I'm trying to do the minimum required yeah and it's hard because sometimes you don't do enough and you think fucking hell yeah. You just want to just find that minimum, minimum to get the result that you want. Mm. So you're using less energy all the time. But anyway, that's what I think. I, f I find it difficult to do, but it's what I'm aiming for. Right. Well, one more question, and then we'll finish there, I think. How long have we gone for? A lot longer than I was initially intended. Oh, yeah. It's been, though, isn't it? So. An hour and a half we've been. Oh, okay. So what is the biggest, most profound lesson that you've learned through... Jiu-Jitsu or through grappling? Be more specific. There'll be, there be something in your head there. Dig it out. That's that's more your area, that. Go on. Yeah, I guess it's just sort of what, what's the what's the biggest lesson that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has taught you, you know, in uh, your opinion? What's it given you? Like, if, if, it had, if you had to just say one thing, what would it be? I mean, it could, it could be strength, it could be, you know... I think there's parts of it that people talk about before. I don't really get caught up on it where they talk about, you know, it prepares you for this, it prepares you for that. It does make you, it does help you get mentally tougher in that regard. It is a training exercise for your brain. And I think, it, personally, I think it does help you um, with, with, with mental issues as well. It makes you a bit tougher. It can't make you beyond what you're predisposed to being, I don't think. Um, I don't think it's some sort of ointment to, to cure all. I, I never did. I, I never understood that, you know, it's not, I never found it to be the, the one thing which, which, which saves me in a crisis. You know, if, if it wasn't for Jitsu, I'd be this, I'd be that. That's never been the case for me. I've, I've never been 
laid in an hospital bed with your doctor looking at me saying, we're going to have to operate and you might not make it tomorrow. And thinking, ah, she just sort of got me through this. But then again, I've also had doctors saying, you know, it's the training you've done which has created this on your body, which means that this is good. So it's the reason why you're here. So I don't know. I, I think, what has it done for me? What's, what's the main thing? That's a difficult question to answer. Ask it again. Let me shut my eyes and think hard. Just ask it again. What's the most profound lesson that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu has taught you? Yeah, don't judge people by what they look like. That's Perfect. the best one. That's what it's actually done. Don't get into a fucking fight with anybody. <laughs> Try and look at their ears and their teeth and the fingers. Yeah, that's what it's taught me. Don't judge. If you've got anal bead fingers, avoid them. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's taught me. Actually, one thing we have forgot, or I forgot, is we've asked each of our ranks, so white, blue, purple, a question to ask you. So the white belts. Oh, punch bags. Yeah, Aye. Oh, white belts. First one. First one. First one. Were, how do you get the big fuckers off you? Basically, how do you stop the smaller? As a smaller person on the on your back, how do you stop the big, stronger stop training close guard? Stop playing close guard. I don't. I don't even believe in the. Oh, I could go on about this for hours. There's a guy that's turned up now that started to get momentum talking about it. And I, I was talking to one of the lads, I said, time to ring me because I've got more ammo for him. <laughs> I've been saying this for years. The closed guard and the open guard, they're in. There's a guard when he's, when he's near you and there's a guard when he's far away. When he's a big and don't let him near you. Mm. Put your feet on his hips. Keep him away. Don't shoot your guard when they're big. They'll just come through your guard and squash you. You don't get them off. That's what I'd say to little guy. Get used to playing open guard and use a squat on him and a leg press. Get your feet on his hips, push him away from you. Don't let him through it. I'll go deep half guard, fuck that. Let the big ones on top of you. <sighs> you gotta learn open guard with your feet on hips. Get him away from you. Don't let him near you. That's what I'd say. And if you were to go back with your knowledge now and you pick one white belt, what would you make them focus on in order to improve quickly? You could just offer that one bit of advice. What would you do? I'd think about them three phases because they don't. The grip fighting is awful. Mm. Even sometimes at higher, higher belt levels. You watch it, you said it yourself, it's like watching two fucking Tasmanian devils. Yeah. It's just a big, a big patty cake fight. It's like a slapping match. <laughs> it is. I'm like, that was a good one. I'm thinking, no, it was just movement for movement's sake. Okay, now, first law of thermodynamics energy can be neither created nor. Destroyed, yeah. really transferred. I watched two blue belts and I fucking disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> they, now, they nearly start a fire, don't they? <laughs> but movement, you're like, what the fuck? I'd have dropped dead. I think they've used more energy than I've used in the last 10 years. Honestly, I'm like, fuck you, know. Talk about wasted. Yeah, think about the, think about your, your gripping phases. Think about, how, think about how you're holding him and why. And what you're doing with it. And when you're watching other people sparring, watch who's holding who. Watch how they're holding and what they're holding. And you'll start to realise what it's about. Gripping. It's about gripping. I'm telling you now. Not Grip just fight. gripping with your hands though, gripping with your feet, with your... In, it becomes an aspect, yeah. Especially mm. when there's guard play. Yeah. Leg grips become important. Mm. In position, yeah. 
So start to watch for that. Yeah. Right. Questions from Blue Belts. What move would you say is the highest percentage or the top three highest percentage moves that are worth working on? So. Uh, in all of Jiu-Jitsu? In all of Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. You, you need to have a comfortable finish from the top, a comfortable finish from the bottom, uh, a, a passing technique and the, uh, a turning technique. And I think, well, I think it's, what have you got there? You need a strangle, an arm lock, a turn, a pass, a leg lock if you're that way inclined. So the question, well, what do I think is the most? Like the highest percentage. So obviously you get moves that will work on lower belts. So you, you might be able to throw up a, a triangle on a lower belt really simply. But as soon as you do that on a higher belt, it's not as effective. Yeah. Now, a triangle's probably a crap yeah, one. Yeah, crap one, yeah, because that is massive percentage, isn't it? Yeah, but, it but is. It was a crap example. no good if, you, if your legs are short than your arms, is it, really? Uh, that's an hard one to answer, Sam. What's the most high percentage? There's a lot of them, though, isn't there, really? Mm. But if you f think about it from, like, uh, survival of the fittest, which sort of techniques will stand the test of time and have already done so? Elevator turns. Submergations. Yeah. Elevator turns. They're always there. Always there. Only a few months back, I happened, I got sent one to watch and it were ace. It was a, a challenge match and it was a, a guy who's got a ter terrific submergation to his right off the belt. Um, uh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Fucking hell, what's his name? He fought Kenny Florian with a gi. It was terrific. The old ex... Lightweight champion and middleweight champion. Master Victor's era. Is it Vito Shaolin? Shaolin. Shaolin, yeah. And he turns him over with the, the Sumagashi to his right. And then Kerry Florian turtles up and he just clock chokes him fucking out cold. Mm. Have that. And you think, God, yeah, that's like stuff from a textbook that's. You a know, clock, I love a clock choke. Made out of some sort of strange choke. wooden pulp and then etched in in blood. It's just old. Technique that that's yeah clock chokes and I'll cost you Jimmy that'll put you to sleep and more so yeah <laughs> so there you got clock chokes straight arm lock straight knee bar ear looks and mean the all classic stuff works mm -hmm. for a reason there's loads of them but you have to get your own flavour like yeah. which one do you like I think we discussed that you? what you're predisposed to what yeah. you are what doing. works for you yeah they work. Arm locks and foot locks, my go-tos. Arm locks are ace, foot locks are ace, knee lock and bars are ace, ear locks are ace. All inverted kimuras and kimuras are great. Strangles work. Do love a kimura grip. Yeah. That comes to me from my lack of control. Lack of control in gripping the gi. So what do I do instead? Tie the arm up as best I can and just fucking don't let go. Well, it's phenomenal for no gi as well because there is no cloth to hold something. Mm. So I, it, I'm sorry I can't answer that one properly. I haven't really got an answer for that. Well, that's. Uh, I'll, I'll slap the blue belt that gives it. I'll wrist lock him. <laughs> right. I made the mistake of asking the purple belt who's an engineer. Go on. So he's going to. He's fucking. It's a, it's a list and a half. It's going to be another three hours it. before we get to it. He's put. As a new purple belt, I feel like I'm only just beginning to uncover what most people call their game. 
and in situations where it hasn't fully developed, it can feel embarrassing as I'm caught scanning my brain mid-roll trying to recall a technique from a certain position, only to get my open guard smashed by someone bigger, stronger or faster. I personally don't see what I'm doing at the moment as a reliable system, trying to think of a certain technique in the moment as it's not effective for me. Is there a way you think about jujitsu from a higher level that helps you understand what you should be doing? He's a perfect candidate for the things we talked about at the beginning. Hmm. What he's not doing is he's not applying the three rules and he's not applying it. He's watching them. Yeah. He's watching them implement their game and he's trying to counter what they're doing when he's obviously not... There seems to be two sorts of fighters. They always were. Men which were positive, aggressive fighters. Like Jack Herrera and like Marcelo Garcia. I think they're probably the best examples ever. Positive fighters. They were aggressive and they applied what they did and they either won or died trying. Okay? And then you've got the counter fighters, which always do it in a positive manner. Roger Gracie. So he's not slipping a punch to slip another one. He's slipping a punch to hit you. And what that guy sounds like he's doing, he's just slipping punches. What shall I do now? I don't fucking know. What have you learned? Show me what you've learned. Show me what you like to do. Put a game plan in play and start training in a way where you just blow your wad. Just go for it, right? And try and beat him or die train. That's what he needs to do in games. Mm. So if I were him, I'd play guard games, open guard, close guard, half guard, underneath, hold them down, blah, blah. Play them all, tops and bottoms. And I'd see what you're already doing and start polishing it and try and impose your will on them. Mm. It sounds like what he's not doing. And through that, look at those three phases. What am I holding and why? Don't try and learn out new. That's mental. If he's a purple belt, he'll have purple belt techniques. Yeah, absolutely. So don't swap you know, a fucking shotgun for a pea shooter. Don't learn a new move that you shit at. He'll have loads of stuff. He just, it's not, it doesn't sound... I'd like to see him. He's just not pushing it. Mm. He needs to implement that on the other guy. Just go for it. Mm. Balls out and either win or die train and see what happens. And that might improve him a lot. Perfect. That's what I'd say, anyway. And from Brown, what do you recommend is a good way of approaching training almost exclusively with lower belts in order to keep progressing? When he's lower belt. They're no. lower than him. They're lower than him. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, this isn't hard at all. I think people get really confusing. It's not hard at all. Um, I, I'd follow the, the, the method that they use with racehorses. I fucking hate, hate that they race horses. But, but the, um, the, I forgot the, the word they use. They put weight on them. Handicap them. Right. They put weight on them so that it's equal. Completely wrong. It's like fucking affirmative action. Don't get me started on that shit. Right? <laughs> Completely wrong. But that's what they do. They make it all equal. Force it to be equal. And so, the, so it's an equal race. So if you're training with, you should always do this with women as well. Mm. If your mouth's stronger than them, well, hold your belt with one hand. Make your training hard each time. So if you've got a guy, look at your will. Fast than that, right? Once you, I was saying this to one of the lads outside. I forget which one it was now. But I was saying, with your will, once you pass, he's only, he's only young, once you pass his guard, he goes, oh, he wilts. It's like he's dead. Yeah. Well, let him put it back. And let him put it back while you're blowing. So let you're under duress and do it again. And let him move around. And, st- and then go again. And once you get- let him do it again. Uh, if it's somebody that you can murder easy, hold your belt with one hand, tuck it under, hold it, and go full ball. And if you can still murder him, if it's a 15-year-old girl who's just started first lesson, 
We'll hold it with both. Hold your belt with both hands. Fight off your back and use your legs. Go for it. Really go for it. Mm. Then it's it, you've handicapped yourself. You can make your training rock hard. My guard improved the most, I think, when I broke some fingers on one hand because I had to just use one hand to play guard. And then when then when you take that off, the glove off and the, the plaster and whatnot and the stuff that's pinning your bones together, you feel like you're cheating. It's that simple, really. So I don't think that's difficult to do at all. No. I think you can handicap yourself. Like, make sure you do it right so you don't break your hand or something. The best way is to tuck it under your belt and hold the, the tails of the knot. And you'll be able to go at full speed. Full speed. So you've equaled up the training, the advantage, and it'd be, it'd be a level match, that. And if that's too easy, and you kept yourself more, I would. That's how I'd do it. Yeah. That's what I think, yeah. Cracking. So is that, that's all of the questions? That's, then? yeah, yeah. Don't have any black belt questions. Unless you want to ask yourself a question. <laughs> yeah, I ask myself questions all the time. I've always got questions. My brain's always picking things up. So I still like training. I spar and I feel and I feel things and I think that's interesting, that's interesting. I notice things all the time. I noticed two things today which were really interesting. I thought, I need to think more about that. It's always well, enlighten us. What, what are you going to think more about? It's, 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 it's difficult to explain. Um, when people play the hooks and you get them flat and you have an underhook, you can actually climb very high if your head's on the correct side and stuff the leg through and pin the hip with your outside leg, mm -hmm. flatten your hip. And I noticed that with skinnier, wirier guys like you and your will, if your hip's not in the exact right spot over theirs, your other hip slides out and you have to back back out or you get your arm crushed. And I hadn't noticed the extent that it happens and I noticed it seems to be a body type thing as well. I just, yeah, I've noticed that today because it happened twice and I thought, that's interesting. No, see, that's I find that most about in Jiu-Jitsu. That's another thing that I like about Jiu-Jitsu. I find that it, it makes me really think about uh, physiology a lot. Mm. I enjoy that. I, I use that. Finding I use puzzles. That a lot. I think that's right interesting. I like playing the games inside, you see. Often when I spar with people, they'll say, well, why did you just stop then? Why didn't you try and finish? I'm like, because I'm not really interested in that at the minute. I'm strange like that, if that makes any sense. Mm. Because I think your will were a bit sort of, I don't know why you didn't. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm enjoying what happened there. I want to go back to that and feel that again. Because mm. that were interesting, that. Something happened and it just sparked, flashed across the synapse. And I thought, I want that to happen again. Because I want to feel that again and I want to just play with that puzzle again. Because I'm a bit weird like that. I am. I'm sort of blow if, if I liked a song, I'd have played it 300 times back to back. Over and over again. Until I got bored of it. And then I won't play that one again. And I'm like that with jiu-jitsu. I'm like, no, I want to play that game. And, I'll, and go there, do that again, do that again, do that again. And I enjoy the puzzle of it, you know. Do you think that's why you like teaching so much? I don't like teaching that much, to be honest. No? No, I just like trying to show people that I like. Because I think I can sometimes help what they're doing. I can spend time with them. I think I, that's why I always say at the end, I hope that helped. And I hope you're going to use it and follow this All idea. right, so you don't like teaching. Do you think that's why you're good at teaching? I don't think I'm that good at teaching. At all. No, see, no, see, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm telling you now, you're wrong there. I think, I think I could be a lot better, uh, and I try to clean that up. Because the thing is, is when, when somebody's asked you to teach them, it's a big fucking responsibility. That's why I don't like these people that take it lightly. I think it stinks. For somebody to ask them to teach you something, they're basically inviting them into your their, your life. Mm. 
you've invited me here and these people have invited me into their life to be part of their growth. They could have gone anywhere today and they've asked me to be part of something they're doing and that's a big honour. Mm. So you've got to give them 100%, otherwise you should go on. You should really go on. It's so ignorant and I've seen some shit teaching on that regard as well. Some ignorant wankers and I think, you're a disgrace. You don't want to be here. You don't want to do it. Well, don't. You know, you've got no right to not want to give them 100% because this is someone's life and you're a part of it now. They've said, will you be part of this with me? That's a fucking big responsibility, right? even if it's only for a few hours. So I try to improve how I do it all the time. But I want to get across what I know for sure to people to make it better than me. And I get disappointed when they don't. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen teachers and coaches of jiu-jitsu get angry because people are almost, because people are getting better. They nearly beat them on, they catch them with things and things go wrong. As opposed to praising them and saying, that was very good. They get pissed off. And I think, why are you coaching them if they don't? Why would you not want him better than you? If you don't start beating me in a few years, I'll be fucking disappointed. I'll be like, well, what are you doing? I will. At what age is he? Oh, like 28, 27. How old are you? 30. There you go. You know, next time I'll spar some with you as well. And I want to feel what's happening. And, and you've, the, 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 the feeling of me dominating you needs to stop mm. in the next few years. You've got to switch it over. It has to suddenly change hands where I'm still really helping you. But when it comes to sparring, I have to go, oh, give a minute, cop. Give a minute, son, I'm getting a bit tired here. <laughs> Otherwise, what the fuck are we doing? It's you're, either you're an idiot or I'm shit at coaching. You're all both. And I've seen coaches that just seem to get annoyed that they get caught by the student. I think he's ace. Mm. Seeing you're young and today and how he's shifting down, I'm like, it's great, Will, you're really going for it. It's, this is better. I'm pleased to see it. Otherwise, he'd be like, what you've been doing is just sat at home wanking. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it has to happen. Yeah. You know? It has to get better. And I like to be part of that. It's a privilege to be a part of it. Mm. It is. As you get older, you think you can only do so much. Steve Gorthorpe, same. Loves to see it. So I like it when they're getting better. It's a good feeling when you think, I'll spare me even when he's a bit tired. Yeah. I only have a five-minute round, so I know if it's going wrong, it's buzzers going to go. I'm like, I know what you mean, Steve. I get that way now, I know. And it's a good feeling with young enough. Mm. You know, because you're only in lads and you're going to get thicker set, you. And you're, a big, you're going to be a powerful bloke and you learn fast and you move well. And you've got to get better. You've got to make it so when I'm on this mat, I'm thinking, fuck, you know. You know, I'm going to spar with him. It's just, I'll spar with you next time. I'm feeling a bit off today. <laughs> That's one of the after news. Yeah, I use this a lot. I'm like, fucking not today. I'm not feeling up for it, you know. I got, you, I got a bone in my leg. I can't do it today. Exactly. 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 But it is a pleasure to be a part of it. Well, very, very nice uh, parting words. And I think uh, I'd like to say thanks for, for doing the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you, for, and thank you for doing the seminar as well. That was fantastic. No, I hope it, I hope it helped. I hope you're going to work at that. Oh, definitely. Don't forget there were two games there. There were two games. That first one was the hardest. Yeah. Grip fightings. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Once you get used to your move, it's got to be as fluent as what I was doing on you. Mm. I'll be a go. I mean, I think Will felt a bit daft. I think, were you laughing at him? Yeah. I could hear somebody laugh. You tend to laugh at him. But it's, I'm trying to prove that point. Mm. It's got to be that good. That's got to be your thing. 
it comes to repetition as well. You, I mean, you like you said, how long you've been working on that? Twenty years. It is, but it's also what I faced. Mm. I faced that same thing. Steve Gawthorpe pulled the sparring. What do you think happened? Armlock, armlock, armlock. Like fucking hell, right? Carlos Gracie, come on, mount, strangle, mount, strangle, mount, strangle. Rogers, same, strangle, the same, the same. Legato, did it at triangle, did it at triangle, did it. I felt the same thing. It's got to be done, done, and you've got to create that. And from our point of view of being Northern Europeans, you follow that methodology I was talking about. Bum, 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 three stages, bum, bum. That's what I'm feeling as a Northern European. They're going, grip, displace, technique, grip. And they're doing it so smooth because it's been repeated that much that it's just effortless. Ba, 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 ba. That's what you've got to get like, and you will. Not thinking I'll learn a bit of that, and a bit of that, and a bit of that. Nah, it'll be crap. It'll be crap. You know, is it not chefs that say you want to get good at making a meal? Keep making that one. Keep making that dish. Keep making that signature dish. You call it, don't it? Signature dish. Keep making the same one. A bit mint. Yeah. Don't have a good footlock. Keep doing them. Keep doing them. Keep doing. Them. I do and like don't that. and don't make it so that we get it near end and we piss around and sparring. It wants to be that I can't stop you getting it. Mm. That's totally different. Yeah. No, go on then. I'll see if I can stop you getting it on. Yeah, get off. <laughs> it wants to be un- unstoppable. Yeah. And that was the point of my turn. Try and stop this. <laughs> That's reparting wisdom, anyway. That's reparting wisdom to you. Yeah. Make it so. Do you know? I, I think I said to you, you want him to be. You want. You know, you've nailed it when you wear these lines. Oh, you're boring to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> all he's got is that, that arm long. It's like I said to Ted Bundy, all he's got is that little Bundy bar. Yeah. Shouldn't have said that, should I? <laughs> Sorry, don't, because we'll yeah. end up going on to true crime and all sorts of stuff. All you've got is that, have <laughs> <laughs> If it works. Hit and wait. It's a Peter Sutcliffe, 1979. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to shut up. I'm going to end up getting arrested because you can't say these things nowadays. You're not allowed to speak. Can't have an opinion. No. Right, it's I think we'll feelings. finish there. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming up. Pleasure. Loved it. Sorry. Oh, the other one's a little bastard. Oh, he is a bastard. <laughs> <laughs>